بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد إن شاء الله in today's talk we will talk about غزبة بني قريدة and the aftermath of that until غزبة بني مصطلق which we will cover next week إن شاء الله because these are a little bit longer events and they need a little bit of talk and explanation so <clears throat> before we talk about Bani Qurayda, uh, just to rem- reminder, last week we talked about Ghazbatul uh, Ahzab, uh, which is also referred to Ghazbatul Khandaq as well, uh, in which uh, uh, many different tribes, they gathered along with uh, Banu Nadir, Ghatafan, and, uh, and the Quraysh, and the surrounding uh, smaller tribes as well, they came along with them. And they uh, surrounded Medina, and uh, uh, Banu Quraida was one of the tribes that was on the outskirts of, of the Medina. And uh, uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and Sahaba they, they they dug up the the trenches around the Medina, uh, and they were protected by the uh, by the trenches. But on one side was uh, was the Banu Quraida tribe that had the uh, treaty with Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And uh, uh, so between, between Banu Quraida and the army of you know, the Muslims were the women and the children who were or, or the older people who left behind in Medina. Uh, and at that time, about ten army of ten thousand was surrounding Medina, and uh, Banu Quraida was is kind of a, uh, covering the Muslims from one end. So. Now, Banu Quraida, they broke the treaty with Rasulullah So that became a, a very bad situation for the Muslims. And uh, uh, basically, one side there was about 10,000, army of 10,000, and then the Banu Quraida is going to attack from the side of where the Muslim women and children, they, all of them were, uh, were placed in Medina. So the situation was very bad for the Muslims, and that rebelliousness put the Muslims in a... Uh, very hostile situation, and uh, uh, this is why when we so when we talk about Banu Quraida, we have to keep this in mind: what Banu Quraida did to the Muslims, uh, to Rasulullah sallallahu after they uh, when they broke the treaty, and they acted to, to Rasulullah sallallahu and the Sahaba like when they broke the treaty, they said we don't know Rasulullah sallallahu This is how they broke the treaty, uh, and even though when uh, the chief of uh, Banu Nadir, Hayy uh, ibn Akhtab, when he came. To talk to Kaab bin uh, Asad, the, the chief of uh, uh, chief of uh, Banu Quraida, but first he closed the door and uh, he did not even want to talk to Hayy bin Akhtab, and he really wanted to follow the treaty uh, or the covenant that he had with Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he was uh, basically referred to Hayy uh, bin Akhtab that he is calling for nothing but trouble, and uh, but after uh, consistently Hayy uh, bin Akhtab was pushing. Uh, Ka'ab bin Sa'ad, he agreed to break the treaty. So that put the Muslims in a, a very bad situation. Now, after Ghazbatul Ahzab was over, as we talked about last week, and Muslims were victorious, uh, uh, Rasulullah wasallam came back to Medina, and he was uh, uh, the place of Umm Salama, radiallahu anha. And uh, the, he was uh, washing up, and Jibreel came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and, uh, and he said uh, that we have not uh, uh, he said that he, he should not unsheath his sword 
because they have not uh, uh, he, uh, he, he he should unsheath his sword, sword sorry uh, because uh, uh, Jibril said we have not him, him and the malaika they have not put their weapons away yet meaning he asked Rasulullah that we have to go towards Banu Quraida now and fight them so uh, when Rasulullah وسلم, he heard uh, what uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded them so they just came to Medina and they were not even relaxed yet. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded them that they have to go right away to take care of Banu Quraida the, uh, because of the action that they, uh, they, they took against the Muslims. <clears throat> While well, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was preparing to leave uh, Medina to go towards Banu Quraida, he, as usual, left uh, uh, Ibn Umm Maktoum radiallahu an as a ruler. As we have talked about in the previous sessions multiple times, that whenever Rasulullah was going uh, away from Medina, he used to leave somebody to uh, to rule uh, rule the Medina in his absence. <clears throat> now, while he, uh, he was leaving, so he uh, he sent he gave the banner of Islam to Ali bin Abi Talib radiallahu an, and uh, uh, he he uh, asked him to march towards Banu Quraida. And uh, so Muslims were going in uh, different groups. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam at that time told the Sahaba that uh, there's a famous hadith. He says, لا يصلي ينا أحد العصر إلا في بني قريدة. That Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said that uh, no, no, no one should pray Surah uh, Al-Asr until they, uh, they, they reach Bani Quraida. Uh, another version says, whosoever believes in Allah and the Day of Judgment should not pray uh, Surah Al-Asr until he reaches Bani Quraida. So this hadith is reported by Bukhari. Now, while the Sahaba were on the way, <coughs> so while the Sahaba were on the way, the time of Surah Al-Asr was about to expire. And uh, they told, uh, they, they started talking to each other that they have to pray Surah Al-Asr. So uh, a group of Sahaba said, Rasulullah said, do not pray Salatul Asa until you reach there. So we were not going to pray until we reach Bani Quraida. Uh, others, they said, but the time of Salatul Asa is expiring, we should uh, pray Salatul Asa. And they prayed. Uh, the, so now, uh, when Rasulullah was, uh, was told about that, that the, a group who prayed before Bani Quraida, Salatul Asa before they reached Bani Quraida, and others, they prayed while when they reached Banu Quraida when the time of Salatul Asr was expired. Another hadith says another group reached there when even Salatul Maghrib time was even expired. They reached there at the time of Salatul Isha. So uh, Rasulullah did not rebook any of them. He accepted both their uh, actions. And the reason I am a little bit stressing this point is it's, a, it's an important point to understand because this is one of the hadith that is used and uh, correctly used for understanding the concept of ikhtilaf or differences of opinion in Islam. This is one of the ways of uh, where the uh, differences can happen. The command was very s- straightforward from Rasulullah that do not pray uh, anyone until, uh, until you reach Banu Quraida. So now, why a group of Sahaba were under, uh, took it differently than the others was because of uh, this command can be linguistically be taken in two different ways. If you look at the very same command in a literal manner, that's what it means that you do not pray until you get to Banu Quraida. While the metaphoric way uh, of understanding this very same command is this, that you hurry up 
and get to Banu Quraida before the time Salat al-Asr expires. And this is what the other group of the Sahaba understood it that way. Since they did not reach Banu Quraida yet, and the time for Salat al-Asr was about to expire, this is why they praised Salat al-Asr uh, even though they have not reached Banu Quraida. So uh, the idea to, to want to stress here is so we understand this, that uh, in Islam, there can be differences of opinion uh, for there are many ways of the, these differences or the ikhtilaf can happen. Uh, one of the ways is the linguistic. Other could be uh, uh, the ahadith, whether those ahadith or ayat, even of the Quran. Uh, the meaning can be taken as uh, general or they can be taken as specific or exceptional cases. Uh, meaning can be taken as, uh, or there are some of the ayat or the ahkam, they were abrogated. So you, we have to know which one is, has been abrogated. So, uh, uh, or which one is abrogated, which one is abrogated uh, ruling, meaning the nasikh wal mansukh. Same way, there could be some hadith that they need to reconcile, or the ayat and the hadith that to reconcile correctly to understand the meaning of it. And uh, people can ha- make mistakes in that. Or there could be differences in usul and on and on. So, uh, but they're all of these differences of opinions are existed. Uh, they, they're allowed in Islam as long as these differences are valid from Islam. Not You cannot just say, I differ from you just because I think uh, uh, differently. Or I have a different, uh, uh, I, I think it should be done differently than what you are doing. No, the ruling has to come from the, from the sources of Islam, which is the Quran and the Sunnah. And this is what we can see in the life of Sahaba, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam allowed those uh, those differences, and uh, as a matter of fact, the other hadith uh, Rasulullah talks about the similar issue, and he said that uh, when uh, when somebody makes a judgment or rule among the people, uh, and he is uh, correct, then he, uh, or if he's wrong in making his judgment, uh, then he gets one ajr for ma- uh, making an incorrect judgment, meaning he went to Quran and Sunnah, uh, uh, and the, and the uh, evidences that, uh, that Islam provides, and he ex- extracted the ruling, but he ended up with a wrong understanding, even though he thinks it is still the right understanding, but that's not really the, the right understanding. He still gets one ajar. And the one who does correct, uh, uh, who, reaches, who reaches the right understanding, uh, then he gets two uh, ajar or ajaran. Another hadith says he gets 10 uh, hasanat or 10 rewards. So uh, it is allowed to have differences of opinion in Islam as long as they are taken from the Quran and Sunnah uh, and not just a bare opinion of a person. Uh, and inshallah, if there's any uh, clarity needed in the Q&A, I will try to answer that, uh, that, uh, that issue as well again. Now, <clears throat> when uh, uh, the army of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they, uh, they seized the, the, the forts of uh, the Banu Quraida. Uh, the, now the chief of Banu Quraida, Ka'ab bin Asad, he, uh, he, he saw the, uh, the, the problem now at, at the doorstep. Uh, so he talked to his uh, people and he said, we have three options. One is we embrace Islam. So and if we embrace Islam, meaning we become Muslim, then automatically our women, our children, our wealth, everything is protected and secured because uh, once you are a Muslim, uh, all, uh, all the previous sins are also forgiven. So all the mistakes they have made, even though they, uh, they rebelled against Rasulullah in the 
in, in the kufr, they, uh, their sins will be forgiven and they, they can become, uh, they will be secure. Now, the second option he said we have is, we go ahead and kill our own women and children and uh, uh, challenge us to Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and his followers with the, with the sword. Now, this way, uh, the, the reason he said it this way was, if we overpower so Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and, and his army, then uh, we can gain the wealth and the women and the children later on. But if we don't, if we don't overpower Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then at least we don't have to worry about our women and children. So uh, um, this is how his thinking was. This is how he presented. And the third one he said is the, the possibility is that we surprise Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Sahaba on Saturday. And uh, uh, because they would not ex- expect from he said they would not expect from them that they, uh, the, the Jews, they will attack the Muslims on Saturday because that's the day they are not supposed to be uh, fighting or they're not supposed to be uh, doing many of the activities that day is supposed to be for them is a day of worship. Uh, the people of, uh, uh, of the Banu Quraida, they did not accept it or the first one to uh, embrace Islam. They said we want to stick with, uh, with our deen and continue on, on Torah. And the second one, said, how can we do that? How can we go and kill our own children and we can't do that? And the third one, they said, how can we break the sanctity of, of Saturday? And they themselves knew of what happened to the people of Saturday, which is mentioned in the Quran as well. The people who broke uh, the covenant with Allah Azza wa Jal, when they were ordered not to fish on Saturday, and then, uh, but they did from Bani Israel, and uh, they, were, uh, they were turned into... Uh, into monkeys and, and, and pigs. Uh, and that's about a specific generation, of course, uh, just to be very clear. It's not uh, to think this way as the people later on, they are from their generation. Uh, that there was a punishment for the specific people of that time, the one who broke the command of Allah Azza wa Jal, and they died right after they were turned into that. And some of the reports talk about in a few days, they, they, they just uh, perished. Uh, and there was no next generation came out of those uh, those people who were punished. Okay, <clears throat> so none of these uh, 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 possibilities they accepted. So uh, now Kaab, uh, the Kaab bin Asad, he got angry and he said you, uh, to his people, you have never been decisive and decision-making since you were born. And uh, then he he understood that, that it's, it's, a, it's going to be a tough time coming to us. So they requested that uh, to Abu Lubaba to, to be dispatched for them, to come to him and, and give them advice. And Abu Lubaba, uh, he was one of the allies from the time of the Jahiliyyah. Uh, and they continued to have some good relationship with, uh, with the Jews who were, uh, uh, who were in the treaty with the Muslims. So when Abu Lubaba came, so the, the men uh, began to uh, question him and ask him what was going to happen to us. They started imploring him. And then and the women and children, they were crying uh, desperately. And they asked for what is going to happen to us. And Abu Lubaba, uh, what he did was, instead of saying anything, he put the finger under his throat and uh, gave the sign of that they will be killed. And uh, But right away, Abu Lubaba understood his mis- uh, He realized his mistake because he basically... Uh, he, uh, he, he opened up one of the secrets that was not supposed to be told to them at this point. So the moment he realized, he left. 
He left Banu uh, Quraidah and he came back to the, the, the Masjid of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and uh, he, uh, uh, he t- himself, he, he tied himself to one of the poles of the Masjid. And uh, he said, to, to, he swore that then no one would you know, uh, untie him uh, except Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and, uh, and he, he would never enter the habitation of uh, Banu Quraidah uh, because of the mistake he made by uh, disclosing one of the uh, the war secrets to Banu Quraidah basically. So when Rasulullah was informed of that, Rasulullah said, I, I would have begged Allah for his forgiveness if he had asked me. But since he had himself out of his own free will, uh, then it was up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who would return to him in forgiveness. So now Rasulullah just left him as uh, uh, tied to the pole of the, one, of, uh, uh, one of the poles of the Masjid, Masjid al-Nabawi uh, sallam. Now, uh, well, now Banu Quraida, they, uh, the, they were in the state of the fear because uh, now they realize that they can be, uh, their destiny is going to be killed. Now, but at the same time, we also have to remember, uh, if you look at the geography of the Banu Quraida, Banu Quraida was in a place that they had uh, access to enough water in their, fo- in their forts, uh, and uh, uh, they had enough uh, supplies, and everything was abundant for them, uh, the, the, the location they were in. And they could have been survived for a very long period of time, the siege, while on the other hand, Muslims were already went through very difficult time uh, of Ghazbatul Ahzab, and uh, the weather was bad, as we talked about in Ghazbatul Ahzab. Don't forget that this is just a continuation of Ghazbatul Ahzab, right away. Rasulullah uh, did not even, he just got to home, and the Malaika said, uh, Jibreel said, that him and the Malaika have not put this uh, uh, weapons away yet. How can you uh, just stay here? So, which means that it's just a continuation. So, we talked about Hazrat Lahza. It happened during that time. The weather was very bad. It was very cold, very windy. So that situation was still going on. Uh, and Muslims already had lack of food supplies uh, uh, in Medina. So from that perspective, Banu Quraida kind of still had a very strong uh, position. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, put that, the fear in, the, in their hearts. And uh, on top of it, Two of the heroes of Islam, uh, Ali ibn Abi Talib and Zubair ibn al-Awwam, they, uh, they, were, they, they saw that uh, they would not stop until, uh, he, uh, uh, it's, uh, until they are, uh, they will, either they will get into the fortresses or garrisons of the Banu Quraida, or they will be martyred like uh, Hamza radiallahu uh, So when the when the, uh, the Jews of the Banu Quraida, they heard these kind of words from the Muslims. They had uh, fear in their heart and they basically lost, lost their hope. So now in that situation, uh, Rasulullah, they, they, they gave in to Rasulullah and they said they are willing to accept the punishment from Rasulullah So Rasulullah made Muhammad bin uh, Muhammad Salama Al Ansari as the supervisor to uh, separate the men from the women and the children, and women and children were taken as, as captives. While for the uh, for the decision on the men, uh, Rasulullah, uh, the, the the people of Aus, Al Aus, who were the allies of Banu Quraida, they came to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and they started begging for 
their uh, a lenient, leniency towards Banu uh, Qurayda. Now, Rasulullah the reason they were uh, they, they asked us was like that because they remember what happened with Banu Qaynuqa. And uh, in the case of Banu Qaynuqa, uh, 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 Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul, uh, head of the Munafiqeen, he intervened and he was not letting Rasulullah go and he was holding his, uh, uh, his, his clothes and he was saying, he was asking for them to be, uh, to, to be not, not killed. And Rasulullah sallallahu uh, uh, let, let them go. Then they were, uh, they were, they had to move out of the Medina at that time. Now, in this case, uh, they were hoping something like that. Now, uh, so Allah Sallam said, suggested that how about Sa'ad bin Mu'adh radiallahu an is the one who, sh- who was the chief of Allah's and uh, let him decide whatever he he wants to do with Banu Qurayda. And uh, Allah's, the, the, the tribe, they agreed. They agreed, and even the Jews agreed, because Sa'ad bin Mu'ad was uh, an ally of, uh, of Dalos, and he had good relationships in the past. Uh, now, remember in Ghazbatul Ahzab, Sa'ad bin Mu'ad, an, he was injured, and he made a dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in his dua, he said that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala let him live until the outcome of Ghazbatul Ahzab and the outcome of uh, uh, Banu Qurayda because Banu Qurayda they broke the treaty at that time and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him enough life that when Rasulullah asked for uh, Sa'ad bin Mu'adh uh, he was still in Medina so uh, uh, some, uh, a sahabi was sent to get uh, Sa'ad bin Mu'adh to make the judgment uh, about uh, Banu Qurayda now when Sa'ad bin Mu'adh he was brought to make the judgment uh, in, uh, in Banu Qurayda when he came. It's a very interesting way, the way he came. He was, he was sitting on the donkey. He's, uh, he needed a help to even get off uh, of the donkey or unmount from the, from the donkey. Some men helped him. And uh, now he, uh, and he was informed that uh, uh, he was informed that the Jews agreed with his verdict as well. Whatever uh, Sa'ad bin Mu'ad will say, they will honor his verdict. And, and so did uh, Al-Aus also. So uh, when he made his judgment, his, uh, his decision was, he said that all the able-bodied of the, man, of the male-bodied persons belonging to the tribe should be killed, and women and children should be taken as prisoners, and their wealth be divided among the Muslim fighters. Now, Rasulullah accepted his judgment, saying that Sa'ad had judged by the command of Allah Azza wa Jal. And uh, another uh, hadith of Rasulullah, he said, that uh, to, to Sa'ad bin Mu'al, he says, لَقَدْ حَكَمْتَ بِحُكْمِ الْمَلِكِ حُكْمِ الْمَلِكِ meaning the malik uh, here is the king, Allah Azza wa Jal. And other, other place of Sultan said, لَقَدْ حَكَمْتَ فِيهِمْ بِحُكْمِ اللَّهِ That his judgment aligns with the judgment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When uh, 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 some of the hadith discussed the issue of when uh, Sa'ad bin Mu'ad came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and he was unmounted from, from, his, uh, from his donkey, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam uh, said to the Sahaba like this, when he came close to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he said, that get up, stand up for your leader. So Rasulullah sallallahu wants to make sure that people understand that he is the leader here right now. He is the one, he's your leader. So stand up for him, give him respect. And, uh, uh, and he said, 
قال فإني أحكم أن تقتل المقاتلة وأن تصبي ذرية. This is where he said, Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم said they are waiting for your for your judgment. And then he said, Sa'ad bin Mu'adh said that I make this judgment that the male bodies will be uh, able bodies will, will be killed and the uh, women and children will be taken as captive. Now, upon uh, Rasulullah that you have made the judgment according to Allah has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also had the same judgment. Now, uh, this uh, punishment of Banu Quraida have been used a lot of time uh, against the Muslims as if the Muslims have done a grave uh, injustice uh, to, to the people of Banu Quraida here. Look, the idea is to understand, to be understood here is this. Uh, these, uh, uh, Banu Quraida was also under the ruling of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and they broke the treaty with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa to a point that the, the, the breaking of the treaty could have caused all the Muslims in the Medina to be killed. The, the, that was the end result of the, their action at that time. The Muslims were surrounded by 10,000 people. And that was enough of its own to wipe out all the Muslims in Medina. On top of it, but one of the weak or the soft spot the Muslims had on the, on the side of the Banu Quraida, they also broke the treaty. So that was a punishment for their actions. It's not that uh, Muslims were against the Jews or Muslims were against the uh, non-Muslims here. In, in Islam, uh, uh, you protect Muslims and non-Muslims alike within the Islamic State. And we can see that throughout the history of the Muslims and the Islam, that Muslims always did that. This is why even the areas that Muslims ruled for centuries until today, we find Jews, Christians, Hindus, whatever religions they were, they, they were there, they all continue to live and even actually they thrive. And uh, uh, still you can find their, their temples, their, their, their churches, their synagogues and all those things were still there. And Muslims were protecting them. Uh, and still continue to pretend. They, and we talked about that when we were talking about Banu Nadir, that uh, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayah, la ikraha fiddin, that there is no compulsion in deen. Muslims never force anybody to become uh, uh, become a Muslim. Uh, Muslims never force any non-Muslim to become a Muslim because it is not allowed in Islam that you can force people to become Muslim. That That's one aspect of it. Second aspect of that is that uh, there are Many ayat, many, many hadith that talk about the taking care of Ahlul Dhimma. are the people who are non-Muslims who are living under Islam. And this is what we find in the life of Rasulullah and uh, later on for centuries wherever Muslims ruled by Islam that they continue to protect them. And Muslims were the ones actually who really showed the people how to coexist uh, even though you can have different religions but you can still live uh, uh, honorable, safe, and uh, uh, healthy life in an Islamic state. Okay, now moving forward. <clears throat> so uh, now looking at the very same uh, Banu Quraida, the amount of weaponry they had gathered to fight against the Muslims that Muslims received after that was 
was, was massive. They had about 1,500 swords, 2,000 spears, 300 armors, 500 shields. And all, so all of that was gathered by, by Muslims later on because of the, the, the one uh, against the Quraida and the siege was successful. Uh, and uh, 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 among the people who were killed, so there are different reports. Some of them say 600, some say seven, some say 800. Different reports talk about the damage number of uh, people from Banu Quraida. They were killed because of their, uh, uh, because of their, their being traitors against the Islamic State at that time. Now, uh, among those people who were killed was Huyay bin Akhtab. Even though Huyay bin Akhtab was the leader of Banu Nadir, but uh, after Ghazwatul Ahzab, <coughs> he came and he became, he joined the Banu Quraida. Uh, and uh, after Banu Quraida, he was also, uh, uh, was also ordered to be uh, killed. This is interesting that in the hatred towards Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Islam and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he even reached the level that he, he, he joined the ranks of Banu Quraida, even though Prior to Islam, uh, um, between the Banu Quraida and Banu Nadir, Banu Nadir used to think that they were better than Banu Quraida. And uh, to that extent that if uh, one of the hadith of Rasulullah Wasallam, uh, one of the hadith that is reported, uh, that talks about uh, th- th- that incident uh, or the, their mentality, that says that if, uh, uh, if a person... Uh, 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 Banu Quraida. And, uh, uh, but, but the hatred towards Islam, towards Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, pushed that guy to a point uh, that he joined even Banu Quraida. And he happened to be the father of one of the wives of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Safiya bin Tahir ibn Akhtar. Okay. Now, um, besides, uh, but besides him uh, and uh, all the male that, that were killed, uh, there was a person named Zubair bin Bata Qarzi. And uh, Zubair bin Bata was, uh, he, in, during the days of Jahiliyyah, uh, he actually de- did a favor to one of the Sahabi, one of the Sahaba, uh, Thabit bin Qais. Uh, and uh, the, that, what he did was, he, uh, uh, Thabit bin Qais was a, uh, was a prisoner of war in one of the wars of the Jahiliyyah. And uh, which is talking about uh, the Bu'ah that used to happen between Aus and Khazraj. So he, 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 uh, he saved his life. And uh, when uh, Zubair bin Ba'ath was uh, going to be killed, uh, so now Thabit bin Qais went to Rasulullah and he said that this person had, has done a favor to me in the past. So let, let this person uh, go. So Rasulullah agreed with him and he said, that's fine. Uh, he did something good for, for you, we will let him go. So he went back and he said, okay, Rasulullah has allowed you to be, uh, to be released. He said, what am I going to do uh, uh, a person of, of my, my, myself while I don't have my children and my family? 
So now Thabit radiallahu anhu went back to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and asked for his wife and children also. Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam allowed that also that they will be freed along with him. Now when they were also being freed, then he said, "What am I going to do with my children and my wife if I don't have wealth?" So Rasulullah he now Thabit went back to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam again and he said this, that this is what he's saying. So now he said, "Okay, let him." Have the, his wealth and the house and whatever he had back as well. Now, Thabit went back and told Zubair that okay, you were going to have all of. It. Then he asked about okay, what happened to uh, Kaab bin uh, bin Asad, meaning one of the, the leader leader of uh, Banu Qurayda. He said he's been killed. Then he said okay. Uh, then he asked about Huyay bin Akhtar. He said he's been killed as well. Then he asked about uh, uh, Azal bin Samwal. He said he's been killed. So now, then he goes, okay, if they're all being killed, then I'd rather join the ranks of the very same people as well, meaning he wanted to be killed as well. So Thabit went ahead and he killed him. And uh, uh, Abu Bakr Siddiq, when he heard about this, he said he wanted to meet his, uh, his people. Now he will be in, in, in Jahannam forever, along with the very same people. So this is another incident that happened out of uh, Banu Qurayda. And uh, uh, the only one person who was killed in Banu Qurayda from the uh, uh, only one person who was martyred from, from the Muslims was uh, uh, there was only one Muslim who was martyred actually. And uh, the way he was martyred was one of the women uh, of the Jews she threw uh, uh, a grinding stone on him, and uh, he died because of that. Because of that, one woman from the Jews was killed uh, because she killed one of the uh, one of the Muslims. Now, after uh, this, the, 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 this completed, uh, Saad bin Mu'ad, the Allah was, uh, uh, he actually, uh, uh, talking about after the, the siege of the Banu Qurayda was over, uh, the spoil of wars were distributed, and uh, Rasulullah, by the way, he also uh, made Rehana bin Ta'amar bin Khanaqa uh, uh, from one of, the, she came as one of the prisoners of wars, and she was freed, and there are reports that talk about uh, variation in there that whether she became a Muslim right away or she became later on. Uh, but uh, later on, uh, uh, she became Muslim and she was married to Rasulullah and she, she passed away right after the second, right after the, uh, the, the, the Hajj that Rasulullah performed the farewell pilgrimage and she was buried in Al-Baqir. Uh, so uh, after they came, uh, the, the battle, battle was over. Uh, Sa'ad bin Mu'adh, uh, his, uh, his health was getting, was deteriorating from the very same wound that he got in Ghazwatul Ahzab. And Rasulullah commanded to have a tent was placed for him close to Masjid al Nabawi. So uh, he will be close to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And uh, uh, so his, his, uh, his wounds became, uh, were opened up and he was started bleeding a lot. And uh, actually, the, the blood started coming out of uh, uh, below under his, uh, his tent. And the people, they got scared that where is the blood coming from. And then they found out it was a Sa'ad bin Mu'ad. He was, uh, uh, he was bleeding. And then uh, he was martyred because of the very same wounds that he got in Ghazwatul Ahzab. So he was the martyr of Ghazwatul Ahzab, actually. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him life to, uh, to, to, to fulfill his dua that uh, he wanted to, uh, that he made Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he wanted to see the uh, ending of Banu Qurayda. When uh, uh, 
Sa'ad bin Mu'ad radiyallahu an when he, his body was taken uh, uh, the Sahaba so some of the people they said his body is very weak, very very light even though uh, Sa'ad bin Mu'ad was a big big person but when they were carrying his body towards his uh, grave uh, they felt it was very light and they, Rasulullah replied to them that there are many malaika who descended from uh, from the heaven to participate in carrying Sa'ad. That's why he was felt very light. And the hadith of Rasulullah says, that the death of uh, the martyrdom of uh, Sa'ad bin Mu'ad that caused the the throne of Allah Azza wa Jalla Rahman uh, being shaken. Uh, it's, it's an expression for uh, that how much value Sa'ad bin Mu'ad had in the eyes of Allah Azza wa Jal. So, so the, the angels came down to carry the body of him and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, uh, throne was shaken by that. Now, let me see the time. Okay. There were many small uh, uh, battles that happened between Ghazwat, uh, between Ghazwat Bani Quraida and, uh, and Bani Mustalaq. Uh, they are very small ones. Uh, I mean, we can go into a lot of detail, but I just want to skim through it so we uh, uh, we get an idea of that how Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was not leaving all those people who participated in uh, in Ghazwatul Ahzab or Ghazwatul Khandaq to do the siege of the Medina and uh, to threaten the, the the state at that time. So they had this threat has to be thwarted away from the Muslims. So now Rasulullah after he was done with Banu Quraida, now he started uh, sending small uh, uh, armies to take care of those tribes that uh, fought against the Muslims. Uh, besides that, like uh, uh, like uh, Ashraf, uh, what's the name of that person who was killed? Uh, um, Rasulullah commanded to, to, to be assassinated. I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Now, there was one more person there. His name was Salam bin uh, Abi Huqayq. He was also uh, a person who used to spread a lot of uh, bad things about the Muslims, that Rasulullah and he showed a lot of hatred towards uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So uh, he was also uh, ordered to be assassinated. The person who was uh, assassinated before was Ka'ab bin Ashraf, by the way. So uh, he was also assassinated, killed after uh, Banu Quraida. Besides that, Rasulullah sent about, uh, uh, I would say about 10 or 11 different small uh, armies to take care of the, uh, those tribes who participated in Ghazwatul uh, uh, Ahzab or prior to Ghazwatul Ahzab who killed uh, many of the Muslims uh, around, uh, in, in, around Medina or outside of Medina. Now, uh, first uh, expedition Rasulullah sent was under Muhammad bin Maslama. Uh, that was right after the uh, uh, Banu Quraida, and uh, and he went there uh, against uh, uh, Bani Bakr. Now uh, Bani Hanifa. Now he was uh, uh, when when he went there, Tumama bin Athal al Hanafi. He was uh, the leader of uh, Banu Hanifa, and uh, he uh, he came as the prisoner of war. And uh, he was actually sent out by Musaylama al-Kadhab to assassinate Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when uh, the Sahaba, they brought him to the masjid and they tied him to uh, one of the poles of the masjid, 
Rasulullah sallam uh, 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 questioned him, uh, and uh, his response, Muhammad's response was, "If you were to kill someone, then you would have to choose one of noble descent. If you were to gracious, were to be gracious, then let it to be a grateful uh, man. And if you were to ask for money." You would have asked. You, you would have asked for it from a generous man, and he repeated these three, these words over and over three times. Rasulullah allowed him to let let go this time. So when he let him go, he right away became a Muslim actually. And then he said that no face had been more awful to to me than yours, but now it is the closest to my heart. No religion had ever been more repugnant to me than, than yours. Now it is the dearest in my heart. Now I want to perform the, the Umrah, he said. And he went to, uh, to Mecca to perform the Umrah. And over there, the, the people of the Quraysh, they started saying that you have become a murtad, you have become a, a apostate. And he said, no, he's not a apostate. He's, he has become, he has embraced Islam. And also he saw that if, uh, uh, basically he said that he will not allow a single grain to come from Yamama. Because if you remember that uh, Musaylim al-Kadhab was from Yamama, and he, so was he. So he said that he will not allow a single grain come to, to Mecca from Yamama. And, uh, uh, and, and actually he fulfilled his word until Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam actually uh, uh, told him to let the, uh, let the food supply go towards Mecca. Then Rasulullah sallallahu also sent the uh, uh, armies to, towards Bani Lahyan. Bani Lahyan was, uh, these are the people who killed those 10 Muslims that they requested to come and teach them about Islam and they killed those 10, 10 Zahaba. So Allah dispatched and uh, he actually went himself and he left Abdullah ibn Maktoum uh, in Medina again as a caretaker. And, and he went there, but these people, they hid uh, in the mountains and they were not able to be found uh, but Muslims were able to get a lot of spoils of the war. Besides that, uh, there was uh, a platoon was sent under Okasha bin Al-Mahsan. Uh, another one was sent under Muhammad bin Maslama and uh, Abu Baida bin Jarrah, uh, Zaid bin, uh, bin Haratha. Uh, Zaid bin Haratha actually was sent to three different locations uh, and uh, there was an invasion of Al-Khabat uh, that uh, took place in the uh, 80, This is the eighth year of the Hijrah. Is talking about before. Uh, it's the sixth year of Hijrah. Sorry, before Hudaybiyah. Um, so th- there are about ten or eleven small skirmishes, if you want to call them, that happened. Uh, in general, there were not much of the fight happened. Uh, most of the play time, they uh, those tribes either they made a treaty or they uh, they just ran away. So, uh, inshallah, next week, these are the, the, some of the, the things that happened from the time of Banu Quraida until Bani Mustalaq, and right after Bani Mustalaq, there's a Sulah Hudaybiyah happened. And inshallah, next week we'll talk about uh, Bani al-Mustalaq because it's, it's a, a little bit of longer uh, discussion uh, that includes there were some uh, uh, differences that uh, happened among the Muslims uh, that included even uh, there was... Uh, uh, there was some accusation that was done against Aisha radiallahu anha as well. So inshallah we'll go into the, the detail of that subject next, next week and the Hudaybiyah the following week. There's any question uh, about uh, Banu Quraida uh, that we discussed today? Inshallah I will try to answer that.